This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Texas raised hunting products, the scent gods. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling his calls made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. I have the absolute pleasure this morning to have a few minutes with Mr. Fraser Jones. Now, Fraser contacted me through uh, through uh, uh, Instagram, and I kind of mentioned something about butterflies and, and wildlife management. And when he did, it really piqued my interest. And so we were able to get together at the Texas Wildlife Association this morning and. Fraser, your name is Fraser Jones. I like that, by golly. And you're from the southeast originally, I think. Yeah, from from Atlanta. And actually got, uh, my family goes back to Pecos, Texas area. So my dad's born there. To Pecos? Yeah, he's born there and made his way to Atlanta, eventually raised me there. But uh, got some roots over here, so it's always fun to be back. Absolutely. That's fantastic, by golly. Pecos is an interesting town. It kind of sits out really in the middle of nowhere. It's so unique. Now, yeah. when I, now I understand we, we did a little something here a little while ago, and I mentioned the Trans-Pecos. When I said Pecos, I noticed you kind of went, okay. Clicks. So now, now I have a better exactly. <laughs> understanding as to why. We, we talked about a lot of things uh, for a documentary that you're doing. Tell me a little bit about the documentary that y'all are working on. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're, we're using a, a documentary approach to try to make a children's television show, essentially. We're trying to get people excited, uh, particularly kids, younger folks, excited about the monarch butterfly. And the only way we can think of to, to get people excited is to, to see as much of it as possible in people who love it. So we 
took, bought a van, drove it up to Canada, uh, Toronto area where we saw these amazing butterflies come out of their chrysalises and then this butterfly travels 3,000 miles to Mexico so we figure we're also going to travel those 3,000 miles with it, film it along the way, meet great people that are involved in conservation, involved in, in planting uh, plants and flowers to help these butterflies and just met some of the most incredible people that will hopefully be a part of this this show and this documentary and be able to shed some light on what we can do to help this little species. What was the primary interest in, what got you started? Why, why this? Yeah, well, I was, I was with my girlfriend, now ex-girlfriend, I don't need to go into that, but she, <laughs> uh, this girl, Allie, we were on a road trip to Big Sur, California, and we looked up most romantic weekend I can imagine. We look up over the coast and there's a tree that's kind of moving. And I was like, well, that something's not normal. I don't, hope I didn't take something or whatever, <laughs> but I see this tree kind of shaking. And then I see these butterflies start to fall off of it and fly away. And there on the tree is thousands of these monarch butterflies, which I'd seen growing up a bit in Atlanta and read about, but I didn't know any facts about it. I knew they maybe migrate, they probably weren't on this tree forever. So I start looking it up, I start listening to podcasts and audiobooks about it, uh, and I end up discovering this butterfly travels 3,000 miles, uh, not only on the west coast, it'll go west of the Rocky Mountains, but on the east coast, it's going from Canada to Mexico, and I think, well, wouldn't that be fun to follow it along the way I'll tuck that in my head. This is four years ago now. And then I end up uh, studying through the years and realize, hey, we're almost losing this migration. The, the migration's in danger. And what if, what if my kids or grandkids can't experience this natural phenomenon? That's going to leave a hole in my heart. So it's kind of a way to fill that hole in my heart is to, to make this children's show and get kids excited and say, uh, let's do our part to help this thing. I think that's very important that all of us, regardless of where we live, who we are, we're all part of whatever ecosystem there is, and we play an integral role, and it's up to us because of, as humans, we have such a controlling factor over so many different things to get involved. What, what, you started up in Canada. Tell me what it was like to where you saw these butterflies appear out of this chrysalis. I've watched them do that a time or two, and there's something truly fascinating about seeing, really, they're alive, but it seemed like they're coming to life. Oh, yeah. You see this whole metamorphosis take place before your eyes, which we, we get to Canada, and we're looking around, aiming our cameras at the sky and thinking, where are these things? We're not seeing a single butterfly. Then people are kind of whispering, hey, look down below, check under this leaf. Right. And there's this tiny little green ball with a little gold on it and I'm thinking well that's not a butterfly that's I, I don't know what it is someone says it's a chrysalis and before we know it wait around a few days and that thing is breaking open and just something inside that used to be mush and before that was a caterpillar has somehow turned into this magnificent orange and black uh, wing spread creature so to see that happen um, before your eyes and in front of the camera is kind of this, I don't know if it's spiritual or revelatory, but it's you you can't help but get excited about this thing. Now you mentioned caterpillar. Tell me about what a 
monarch butterfly caterpillar looks like. I mean, people have probably seen it and really didn't realize what they were looking at sometimes. Yeah, you you gotta, whenever you see a bug or an insect, try to figure out what that is, whether it's using the app iNaturalist or whether it's looking at an encyclopedia, but uh, the, the monarch caterpillar, if you can, try not to kill it, because it, it's a good thing that, that we need, but it's a little yellow thing, um, about the size of your finger, got little uh, black rings, yellow rings, and it'll just crawl around and, and eat a bunch of, uh, bunch of flowers, but mainly this plant milkweed, and just start chewing holes through it. Um, and they're cute little things as they crawl around, but seen a lot of those, and uh, after that, maybe we see them I don't know if we've seen the same caterpillars that then become butterflies, but at least some of their cousins or right. relatives or whoever, yeah. They're they're absolutely beautiful as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And they're very distinctive as, as opposed to a lot of the other uh, caterpillars that you see, particularly down here in Texas. Uh, in our backyard, we plant dill. My wife loves to do some uh, canning for pickles or turn the cucumbers into pickles, I guess you should say. Amazing. And very seldom do we get to use much of that dill because for whatever reason that particular caterpillar seems to love that yeah and as long as it's a uh, one of those it gets a pass at our house yeah. <laughs> and that's i appreciate you not uh slaughtering it because i think a lot of people see their dill eaten and they quickly see how oh, this bug is around i gotta smush it i gotta spray pesticides oh no 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 please don't <laughs> yeah if you if you can just uh yeah get on your knees for a second in the dirt and look at the wonder of this little creature, uh, I think you'll be surprised how cool it is to just watch it go through this metamorphosis. I want to come back to something we just talked about, but you were talking about they take a huge journey, do they not? They do. They, they fly three to 4,000 miles somehow, these tiny little creatures, um, and they live a, a few months while they do it, and they're going somewhere they've never been before, but they're great-grandparents uh, were born in Mexico and then slowly made it up to Canada. They're, these monarchs we're following are born in Canada and decide somehow to fly to this one forest in Mexico. What time of the year do they lay their eggs? The, the fall migration we're following is around early August. They'll lay the eggs um, kind of late July sometimes depending on the temperature and these monarchs are, well then the caterpillars are born, then the chrysalis and then it's about a three to four month journey uh, that we're going on as well to get all the way from Canada to Mexico. Well, the coloration of the monarch is very specific and the caterpillar is very specific. What about the eggs? How do you, how do you distinguish those from maybe from some other uh, butterflies or insects? Yeah, that's been some of the challenges uh, seen. How can we tell the difference? And we, we don't want to make anything up as we're filming, but Sometimes we'll see what we think is a monarch egg and someone comes up, a more expert biologist than me, and can say, no, that's a swallowtail egg. Because I can't tell the difference. They're just tiny little white, almost pinpoint eggs. Uh, but it's... Do you find them on the underside of, of leaves primarily? Yeah, if mainly this milkweed host plant. If you'll look under that leaf, um, and you can kind of tell it's a milkweed sometimes. If you tear it a bit, you'll see a little white milk substance almost come out. So you, and you're in luck if you got those, because if you've got milkweed, you'll also have caterpillars, butterflies, uh, munching on those things, using it as a nectar source and 
getting the power for this incredible journey. And you mentioned they are nectar users rather than pollinate, pollen, yeah. right? They, they'll pollinate as well. Uh, exactly. But I mean, they're going after the nectar rather than pollen. Exactly. Yeah. They'll really, a lot of flowers that come across on the way uh, will help their migration. So even if you don't think milkweed's pretty enough, or if you don't uh, have access to those seeds, even if you get a few wildflowers on the ground, anything is going to help this thing from, from disappearing. What do you think is, you mentioned that there, we've lost numbers in, in terms of looking from year to year to year, looking at trend data on, on those. What do you think is one of the primary, or is there one primary cause, or is it a combination of things that's causing the decline as far as monarchs are concerned? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things combined, unfortunately, but we're looking at a species loss of 80% of the population over the past 20 years. It used to be this really thriving thing and you'll be in a place like San Antonio where 20 years ago uh, someone growing up saw these monarchs migrate through all the time. Now they're seeing less and less, maybe none at all. So uh, a lot of scientists are putting their heads together to say what is the cause for this. And a, a big part of it is the disappearance of this host plant, milkweed. Uh, people nowadays don't love weeds in their yard they'll yank them out they'll spray pesticide herbicide and besides highways in their yards whatever to kill this thing that they don't realize how important it is and then we're as the population grows you know we're overdeveloping at a massive rate and we're building condo buildings where there used to be a giant field and we're uh, taking over the land in a way um, which is natural if humans are, are populating at this rate, but to, to not leave a little space for the monarch seems a little cruel because it's a cute little creature. It'd be good to have around. And, and we're trying not to plant as many GMOs or monocropping things that if you see a whole field of corn that used to have a little milkweed at the side or a few wildflowers, now farmers, it's a tough job, but they're, they're concentrating on just get as much corn as possible um, and there's a slight issue with that because we're losing some of the milkweed. We are. I, I've seen the same thing as far as other wildlife talking about uh, game birds or songbirds or rabbits or those kind of things that, that we've gone to very much much larger fields, uh, clean fence rows, I mean where if there is a fence there it is post and wire, no vegetation at all. and we've seen that change over the period of time when I was a kid growing up there were a lot of small farms and it was not like it is now in the fact that all the fence rows were grown up and there were, you didn't control the weeds like you did uh, so things would change and we have we can do something about that yeah. in a lot of different places we can encourage I think people to say hey wait a minute you know you're not going to lose that much by leaving a row and skipping a row here or maybe skipping four or five rows and, and doing something that's worthwhile not just for uh, maybe the, the pollinators that are pollinating the corn but you know for some of the other species yeah. that are out there as well in our uh, talk earlier when you and I were talking for what you're doing is we talked a little bit about backyards uh, what can somebody do that, that lives seeing, you mentioned the urban sprawl so almost everybody that's in the urban sprawl they do have little backyards of some sort or another what can they do there to, to really try to encourage 
wildlife, and in this yeah. instance, specifically uh, monarch butterflies. Exactly. Well, if you're in a backyard, you're in a, a lucky situation where you have maybe a little control over even just a patch of greenery or nature, uh, and part of it's doing less in a way of just uh, don't try to have full control over it. Don't Maybe you don't have to mow your lawn or have Bermuda grass over the whole yard. Maybe you can just have uh, see what grows up because you may be surprised. It could be this beautiful purple flower. It could be a patch of milkweed. But if you if you have a a yard and access to it, or even a park nearby you, try to get some native plants in the ground. Visit your nursery and say, hey, I want more butterflies to come to my yard. I want I I have this great patch of land. Why not bring more life to it? So whatever you can do to uh, plant milkweed ideally, plant some flowers and get some seeds in the ground and and do less by don't spray that pesticide maybe so much because uh, it's not just your yard but it's gonna affect yards around you if you're if you're spraying for something like mosquitoes think of what else you might be killing even though people hate mosquitoes I get it uh, but I do too yeah but. <laughs> yeah but if you could you know, tough it out a bit uh, for the summer and say, I may have a few more mosquitoes, but with those mosquitoes, I'm going to have this amazing butterflies that might show up. And I can't guarantee they'll show up in your yard, but if you plant it, they will come almost. I don't want to promise it. If you don't do something, I can guarantee they won't be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, it's, it's a balance of uh, not using all the tools that we have in the modern day of you don't need every spray and pesticide, but uh, you can also do a tiny thing of just put a hole in the ground, put a seed in it, and see what pops up. We've we've talked about the milkweed. Uh, This is an an audio podcast where we're not showing photographs, but where can somebody go that says, I have no earthly idea what milkweed looks like? Where is there a source that somebody can go to yeah. Fairly quickly, without having to just Google milkweed and not showing for no, not knowing for sure what's going to show. Right. Where can they go to see photographs of this? So maybe they had it in their backyard and they pulled it out. Yeah. Maybe now with this they'll go. I'm going to leave that. So yeah. where do they get a photograph of the of the yeah. milkweed? Yeah, um, there's plenty of Google searches, and I I got. I'll describe the seeds I got in my hand now. Put it. I don't want to get too many, but I I got these little seeds that are. Small brown gave you uh, a few as well, Larry, that have, uh, doesn't look like much, almost like a sunflower seed that you might eat from a gas station, but you're, you're aiming to get seeds like these um, that are light as can be. Uh, I got these today from livemonarch.com. They're actually based in Georgia and they're shipping seeds all over the country for a, a very great price just because they want to get the word out. Uh, so I, I've been supporting LiveMonarch.com and uh, working also with Monarch Joint Venture as an advisor for this project because if you go to MonarchJointVenture.org, I believe, you'll just see this incredible list of resources of uh, identifying milkweed, how you can grow it, um, basic care instructions, but uh, you're going to eventually look for a plant that has some nice green leaves. Sometimes it can have some orange flowers, sometimes some purplish ones. Um, so it's it might be in your yard already and you can kind of snap a leaf and see if 
any milk comes out of it, not cow milk, but kind of a, a small little white liquid. And you may see some, some munch marks in it from the caterpillars already. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me those two websites again, if you would, while we're yeah. talking about it. So it was livemonarch.com uh, is where I got my seeds from, and then uh, monarchjointventure.org. Um, and then, .org, okay. Yeah, another great organization in Kansas is called Monarch Watch, um, and they have a great director, Chip Taylor, who is leading an initiative to send a bunch of milkweed across the country. And not every region necessarily needs it. Uh, some regions aren't lucky enough to have the butterfly fly through, but the ones that are along the migratory path, um, kind of just east of the Rocky Mountains and just west of it, uh, try to do your part and try to get these seeds in the ground or the ones that are already there, try not to cut them down. Fraser, tell me, uh, this is one thing that we can do. We obviously we can plant. What are some of the other things that people might be able to do that uh, maybe they didn't even know they were concerned about the monarch butterfly, but maybe now they are. What are some of the things that they can do to really help at least decrease the de decline, and hopefully that will encourage the populations to increase. Yeah, I think it's just thinking about your part as an environmental steward of saying, okay, whatever species you care about, say that I care about this one and I realize it has a connection to this butterfly because it's all part of a larger food chain and ecosystem. So say, uh, you know, if you're thinking about cutting down a tree because it might be a nuisance in your yard or something, think about what cutting down that tree is also going to cut away and what, what life that might remove from your property. So it's kind of making judicious decisions uh, in a way to say, here's what we need to get rid of on the property and here's what we don't. And the best thing I'd say anyone could do, a child to adult, is uh, get a small shovel and get in the ground and uh, plant as much things as you can because whether it's a vegetable, uh, a crop that you're gonna eat or a flower that you're gonna enjoy, the more times that you're gonna get out into the soil and um, get dirty and get some dirt under your fingernails, that, that's a time to connect with nature and a time to get down on a ground level and see some caterpillars, some butterflies, and just get excited about nature because that's something huge right now. And, and spread that excitement. I, I don't want to look like the crazy monarch guy, but I'm going all over North America saying, hey, pay attention to these things uh, and, and start caring. Because if you don't start caring, about monarchs, we may not have them at, at this level for, for generations to come. One of the things I've noticed over the years as a wildlife biologist is that everything has its place, but when you remove this from the overall equation, whether it's the butterfly or, or whatever, that has an effect not only on that individual species or that individual slot, it has an effect on everything. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you, you can't play this God role always in life if you can't just say, well, I don't like this thing, I'm gonna remove it and see what happens. Because unfortunately, when you remove a, a thing that you think is a weed like milkweed, well, what else are you gonna lose? You're gonna lose a little beauty in the world and it's something that pollinates the food you eat. So uh, it's kind of just letting nature do its thing a bit and helping where you can, but 
uh, ultimately just enjoying all the natural wonders of this world. Before we close this out, Fraser, tell me how somebody that's, we've, we've got the website, but how do they get in touch with you? I know you're, you're your cameraman and I've forgotten his name. I apologize. That's Trevor May. Yeah. Trevor, Trevor, I know you and Trevor are traveling across the country in a van. And, uh, but I'm sure you probably have internet occasionally at least. So what is the best way that somebody that's really interested, particularly in the projects you're doing and the fact that you're doing this for children just fascinates me more than what you would be doing were it not for that. But how's the best way to get in touch with you and and to maybe stay up with you? And if if we got somebody out there that's interested in in contributing to making sure this project happens, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, well, we, we, have an Instagram account, which is how we first got in touch. Right. We've tried to use that a lot to promote the cause. That's called Where the Butterflies Go, which is ultimately the name of our program. Uh, So we have an Instagram, one word, all lowercase, called Where the Butterflies Go. And then on my own website, sorry, I just spilled a bunch of the the milkweed seeds here. Uh, Comes with the territory, but on my own website, which is fraserjones.tv, we have a whole page about the butterflies where you can see our, our current fundraising trailer and, and have a laugh too. You're totally allowed to watch what I'm making and say, hey, this guy is a fool. He has no idea what he's getting his head into driving this many miles. Uh, I invite you to, to laugh all you want. And hopefully kids are laughing at me too because, yeah, to me, comedy is this almost uh, spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down. and. We need some medicine right now for these butterflies. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I, I like how you're approaching this in so many different ways. Thank you so very much well, for spending you, time Larry. with us today. Hopefully, when you get this project going, we'll stay in touch. I mean, beyond where you're going right now, but if you'll stay in touch with me, we'll try to get the word out a little bit more for you as well, too. I'd love that. Yeah, it's all it's a, a joint effort to just get it this is. word out and save what we got of Habitat. So very excited to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I am honored to have you guys with me, and I'm honored to have spent time with y'all this morning. Of course. Y'all join us next week, and uh, you know we'll come back and visit with Fraser in the future and find out how this project continues and, and where it's going to be available. Thank y'all for joining us this morning. DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Wildlife Systems serving hunters and landowners since 1987. Kenetrek Boots, for the trail less traveled. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Pyramid Air, your one stop for everything air gun.